Welcome to the special Clock Talk Live in London, where we capture the magic, ideas, and experiences of the 2022 Clock EMEA Summit. I'm your host, Jen McCarran. I'm on the board of directors at Clock, and I lead the Netflix legal operations and technology team. We're live in the Clock Talk EMEA Summit London Edition podcast studio with my friend and Real Talk co-host and trash-talking son, Mary O'Carroll. Nice to be here, Jen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Chief Community Officer at Ironclad, former legal ops at Google. That's me. That's you. (laughs) That's you. First things first, where are we holding with Kim Kardashian is now single again. The Pete thing failed. Did you know that was going to happen? You knew it was going this way. I mean, it was weird when it first started. It was weird. Yeah. 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 I, I thought it was cute, though. I was kind of excited for them. I thought it was cute. He's from Staten Island. She's from, I think, Beverly Hills originally. But yeah, it just didn't work out. Two different worlds. Yeah. And well, there she goes. Are you keeping up with the Kardashians' new content? I'm not watching the show, but I keep up in other ways. And I think Courtney and Travis are adorbs. They're adorbs, right? I would have gone to that wedding yes, for sure. They're cute. I like them. Yeah. Court finally has happiness. I feel that. Right? Like we journeyed for 20 years with her through a lot of crap. Scott Disick, not so good. Not maybe as a husband. He's great TV. <laughs> he is great TV. Frankly, if you're listening out there, Hulu, we could use a little Lord back on the new season. It's just a little dry, but lots of drone shots. But you'll see this when you ever have. Do you ever have free time being chief community officer flying around the world? I don't watch a lot of TV anymore, yeah. sadly. What do you do to fill up? What fills up Mario Carl's cup? Now I read. I started reading again, which is so nice. Yeah, it is. And so I nice. used to read like really nerdy business books and such, but now I just need like brainless time before I go to sleep. So, what's your happy place reading? Now I'm reading fiction. What kind of fiction? Anything to call out or anything you liked in the last few well, months? Well, I mean, the best book I think I've read in a long time was Where the Crawdads Sing. And I know they made a movie out of it, which I will refuse to watch because. It was such a good book and it's, they're going to ruin the movie. But yeah, they will. But it's always fun to see what my peers in Hollywood are thinking. (laughs) I'm a big fan of fiction. I love the business books. Fiction is actually a big empathy builder. And I don't think we realize that enough or give it enough credit because you're learning a story through someone else's point of view. So talk about walking in someone else's shoes, aka empathy. So I try to get enough fiction in there to break things up. Have you read Pachinko, Ming Junli? No, don't know it. Mary. Okay. Shen O'Carroll. I mean, it's on the list. It's a Pachinko. Pachinko. It's a Korean based fictional story of the generation of women in a Korean family, sort of post war torn around Korean War and just like cultural movement from Korea into Japan, assimilating, losing identity. But the generation keeps popping up and the story continues. Put it on your okay, nightstand. It's, it's on my list now. And put it, it's a big one, but it's one of the richest stories I've read fiction in the last few years. I did read Crying in H Mart and I oh, had yeah. to stop reading. I was reading on the airplane where I get very emotional. It's bawling. That's a memoir. Yeah. I forget the author's name. The band. Name. The singer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's done really well too. Okay, so we covered books. Now, Mary, <laughs> you and I do this thing called Real Talk. More importantly, yes. Yeah, it's R E A L. Real talk. And what have we done? Two webinars of this so far. We did a podcast as well. We did a podcast. On Pearls on Gloves Off. On Pearls on Gloves Off, your podcast. We got real talky again. Yep. And I hope that the insights and views and streams and impressions were extremely high because we like to bring in the people and tell it like it is. So what are we going to tell today? 
What's on our minds that we need to truth out to the people? I mean, feeling anything? Anything you're seeing out there on the ground in your community world travels, you're always on tour. I'll give you some real talk. And I've kind of been hesitant to say this because I don't want to upset anyone. Okay, so everyone asks, I do a lot of coaching, mentoring, talking to people out there, like nonstop. And everyone's always asking, where do I start? Where do I start? I've got a million things. Everywhere I go, there's like all these priorities. I think we talked about this the other day. I am now very selfishly coaching legal ops people to do what makes legal ops look good. Make yourself look good. Get legal ops promoted. Get yourself into the leadership circle. And to do that, you have a lot of options, but do the project that's going to take work off people's plates. Because even someone said that in the summit today, that's what makes people take notice. That's what makes people happy. Even if, no, actually it was you, right? Even if it's low hanging fruit and you're taking something off someone's plate, that is better than all the long tail of, okay, so this is where I think I might upset people. Outside council management, knowledge management, document management. Those are all important. Yes. And you should absolutely get to them and do all those things, but it doesn't make the lawyer's life better. Yes. And it's not going to move the needle quickly. And you need some quick credibility and buy-in. Low-hanging fruit. I'm almost feeling the low-hanging fruit festival advice from you. Well, but I still think like big impact is where you should put all your muscle, but it should all be focused on making people's lives better, not prioritizing data cleanliness, not prioritizing getting all your documents in one place, not prioritizing outside counsel fees, because those are all important, but that doesn't like change your work day to day. Those three things you said are sub bullets beneath a program of a larger initiative. They shouldn't be an initiative just on their own. I think that's right. They should support if you're going to go put in a workflow or a doc management or contract management solution. Yeah. Data cleanliness is one of the bullets beneath that. that You're going to have to action at some point. Yeah. But if all your project is to get all your documents in one place with clean data, then what? Great. When you can find something faster one day, but that doesn't help what I always call the 80% of your job, like what someone's doing all day. I want to affect what they're doing all day, not what they're doing on the invoice that I sometimes have to look at. Like you're the meat of your job, whether you're a litigator or a contracts type lawyer, like I want to work on that stuff. So pretend you're walking in to your job today with kind of the head full of knowledge, you know, being in this industry 14 plus, where would you start knowing the problem scape of today? What is new future Mary O'Carroll, baby Mary Shen O'Carroll? Give us an example. Well, it's CLM. I mean, I'm going to bet my career now on CLM being the answer. CLM, it's not small. It is not small, but you can start small. That's exactly it. And everything you do with CLM can have a direct effect on your, not just your lawyers, but the business and the client, like the internal clients, the stakeholders that you have. And when you make them look good, well, then heck, then the whole GC looks good. The legal department looks good. You look good. Everybody's happy. Mary, I'm going to ask you an edgy question. And when I ask you this, don't throw that drink at me, (laughs) but this is real talk. And I'm taking the wheels off the vehicle right now. Why do lawyers hate CLM? And is CLM a solution for our legal professional staff to uplevel their game, put the juice behind them so they can have the numbers, the data 
and everything flowing out of their fingers more swiftly because they kind of help orchestrate a lot of workflows of lawyers. Why? Lawyers hate CLM. We were talking about this on an earlier podcast. Please help us. Lawyers hate CLM because of what CLM was. And I think intentionally we at Ironclad call it digital contracting because it is the next iteration of what was once known as technology for contracts, CLM, which is a lot of it is still taking broken processes and putting some automation and technology behind it. I have come to change my story. So I used to always say people process technology. You have three parts of the stool. Focus on people and process. Fix that first. Then think about technology much later. I have changed my tune in recent years. And it's part of the reason why I really was attracted to Ironclad and joined the company because I think modern technology and the approach that a software can have if the company believes that it has a responsibility can actually be transformative to a department. It can be so good that people walk up to and go, oh my God, this is so much better than the old way of doing it. Why would I do it the old way? There's no change management involved. You just get it. You're just like, of course I would use this. But that's not what everyone's familiar with. We're familiar with the old days of 10 extra clicks to get data clean or to put something. And so you're making everyone's life a little bit worse for the better good of the overall department. Nah, that's the old way. That's the old way. And I think that's where a lot of the pain has come. I think a lot of the complaints are jadedness from our attorney side. We need them to be easy does it. No data entry for them. It needs to move swiftly in a natural way that they're drafting They're keying something in, boom, that becomes the data. It's in their contract. They're moving. It needs to be better than whatever they were doing before. Not slightly worse, but better for the greater good. It needs to be better for both. So jumping forward with that mindset, take me forward to 2032, 10 years out. Can you you imagine? I can't believe that number. I'm going to be like 80. Can't do the math. I'm not good at math. I'm going to be pushing you around in a wheelchair for real talk. It's going to be wheelchair talk. What's the future? Like, where's this all going with CLM? What is the system of the future? And who's the lawyer of the future? So what I think is really exciting is that we don't even know what we can unlock when we have the data that is in the contracts. We don't even have that yet. It's still so new. It's still so new. And so we were talking, you and I actually, the other night about The journey never ends when it comes to CLM. And that's not to say that it's like a bad thing that it never ends. It actually is the fact that the value that you can extract from digitizing the contracts and making it data never ends because you're going to continue to find stuff or like realize that you can use what's in those contracts to make different business decisions, not for legal, but for other parts of the company. And when other parts of the company start using it, And we have some examples of what that could be, but I don't think we've even scratched the surface of what's possible. Yes. And that's exciting. And we're scratching the surface. I know that your product at Ironclad recently brought in a whole new level of machine learning or what we'd call AI broadly. And that to me is the beginning of that future. It's not robot lawyers, people. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. We still need lawyers. Yeah, but I jokingly, but mostly seriously say, control F your days are numbered. It reduces that keying around inside a long document and just turns it into a data bank of things. Is that where we're going? I think that's absolutely right. We should be thinking about everything that is manual, everything that doesn't require 
brains and thought and automating the heck out of that. Yeah, I'm putting that to the tech to do it as a service for us so we can context switch less, be less worn out. You don't want any person in your legal department in-house doing data entry. Ew. Can we all agree? And the other converse, the finding, the control effing. In the control effing. Ew and <laughs> ew. So if you're doing either of those in your role, it's time for you to step up and find these kind of simple problems to solve and start showing that you can save time back to the legal department. Number one metric, I think, Maris Schremogel thinks. And that's what I came up learning in Legal Ops U2. It's time, time back saved. Yeah. to, and if you can measure that in time and show that to your leadership, they're going to dig it. I've seen their faces change and go, oh, 65 weeks of productivity with one of these big foundational systems. Let's try it. And it's okay if you fail. You were the one today. I polled the audience and said, who has failed? <laughs> Implementing <laughs> CLM. Shot right up. <laughs> Mary O'Carroll, Chief Community Officer at Ironclad's hand goes right up. And you weren't talking about Ironclad projects. You were talking. I wasn't even specifically talking about CLM. You had asked who had put in or who had put in technology that basically nobody wanted. Oh, right. Something like that. Yes. Which, yeah, we've all had. And your story, I think I remember, is the knowledge management, knowledge management platform at Google. Yep. that you put in and you had the Google kind of credo behind that. We're going to kind of make a Google of all of our legal tacit knowledge and tell us again, you've failed or failed royally? We failed pretty royally. We put a lot of time and investment into building our own system and tool. And it was beautiful. It, the UI was clean. It was intuitive. There's still to this day, nothing that I would change about the tech. So it wasn't the tech that was the problem. What was the problem? Culturally, we had no carrots and no sticks. So we had no reason for people to put stuff in there. And they thought, what's in it for me, essentially, which is what we should ask ourselves every single time we're doing a project. No carrot, no stick, no why, what's in it for me. So no incentive. You didn't have the right evangelist and you didn't have the tech at their fingertips where they were doing work to auto capture anything. We couldn't auto capture, but we made it as easy as possible. All you had to do was email it to an alias and somebody else would do all the data capturing for you. It's like we made it so easy. And it still wouldn't. Because they all wanted to see everybody else's stuff, but there was no reason for them to put their own stuff in. Yeah. And that's exactly what I ran into at Cisco. Big scale legal departments. It was KM was running into a wall a bit, but I'm... I'm always open and I still believe in the promise of KM, but I no longer believe in the way I also tried to solve similarly was if you just put it in over here and take the time and feed the fishery or something, then you can fish out of it later. Yeah. We'll get there. We actually learned some really interesting things in the postmortem too, because we started talking to the lawyers and we had really good relationships with these are all our friends, right? Yeah. Why are you not doing this? Why are you not doing this favor for me? And the things people told us were like, well... I'm not really sure this is done. It's not like a perfect draft. And so it was my advice. And so I don't really want to put it in there because it's not great. So there was a little bit of insecurity. And perfection. They want mm -hmm. a finished work product, air quotes. There was sort of like, well, if I put it in there, maybe somebody thinks that I think it's really good. Again, a strange thing to say. And then there was the fear of like, well, if I put it in here and somebody uses it thinking that it's up to date and it's not up to date, then what happens? It was a lot of less like, what if, what if, what if? Well, things to think about in future KM, and we'll be revisiting that, I'm sure, at some point. But right now, we're all dying in CLM, implementing, changing forms so they're ready for tech. Mary, we're coming up on our time here. I want to close out with a minute or so on career paths, because you have one of the most interesting legal ops <laughs> 
career path endpoints or your latest dot on the journey as chief community officer at the coolest legal tech startup, Ironclad. I've been in one of your recent marketing shoots. How cool of a production studio. Jealous. What are the other career paths that are coming? I've, and to your point, we're only scratching the surface. Yeah. Steve Harmon is COO of a major legal company, a legal services company called Elevate. Yeah. COO from in-house legal. Where do you think I should go with this? Where should Jen McCarran get Give me career advice and paint us another endpoint and give people some ideas on like where they can take this. Well, Jen should come to Ironclad. Jen should come to Ironclad. (laughs) Just put me in with the marketing department and I'll make videos all day. I will predict it right here. One of these days, Jen and I will work together. Oh, 100%. (laughs) We have to. We We have have too much fun talking real. Maybe we'll start our own thing. Maybe we'll start our own startup. You heard it here first. The doors are open now. You can really do anything. People are moving out of legal into operational roles. People are moving into legal tech roles. People are going to firms. People are doing consulting. We're here at the Clockamia Summit. And if you walk around, there's ex-legal ops people at every one know, of these I know companies. someone that just left their in-house role and became a coach, like a career coach, oh, wow. back to younger and career legal ops folks. How cool is that? I'm going to speak to someone next week who was head of legal ops, who is now head of procurement. Come on. So that's interesting. I want to hear more about that. Come on. It's so cool. We're only still only beginning as the song from the 70s by the Carpenters goes. We've only just begun. King. You know that song? No, I won't. I'm sing. dating myself. I won't sing. That's bad. But you know the song. <laughs> it was like the wedding song of the 1970s. We're at the beginning. It's always so exciting to pick your brain about this and see where we're all going. It's fun stuff. It's really fun stuff. Well, I'll see you out there. I'm going to crash your dinner tonight, maybe your after party. because It's It's always an after party. Only true to form. So thanks for coming on and doing mini Real Talk London edition Clockamia Summit. See you out there, Mary. Talk soon. Bye. That about wraps up this episode of Clock Talk. You can catch this and other episodes of Clock Talk wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Until next time. 